passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. And we are live with Rewind to Raw. I am John Pollock alongside Waiting. 103.88. The Raptors win. I I just looked up the score. Wow. Okay, uh, so 3-2. It's 3-2. The, the Raptors were down 3-0. I am not calling for them to make the, the improbable return, but they're going back to Toronto on Thursday. A Game 7 is possible. It's possible. It is possible, absolutely. And this is when it gets interesting. This is when I might be likely to actually catch a game, you know, when there's a chance of a great comeback. Or not. I don't know. But the, the, the possibility is what makes things interesting. I watched most of the game on Sunday and then could not watch tonight, but was definitely curious. And I was not expecting them to win tonight. I thought they got their they got their little win at home on Sunday. They extend it. Um, again, I, I'm not going to be calling for uh, them to beat Philadelphia four straight. But two, two is impressive. I mean, and Thursday is a winnable game. And then it's if they win Thursday, it's like none of, none of the games matter. Then it's best of one. I'm here for the story. That's it. Yes. Um, you want to go to the game on Thursday? Can you get us tickets? Of course I could. Yeah, no problem. You got some connections? Yeah, sure, sure. You I'll got go. a few few spare, you know, thousands of dollars that you can drop? Uh, yeah. I, w- I wonder what the the cheapest ticket is to, to get in there, like just on the secondary market. I don't even know what the process is of getting legitimate tickets. Like... Do you are you supposed to have had them already, even though, oh, I, even though the game's not possible or we didn't know it was possible? Well, they always make the the tickets first available to like season ticket holders, as I am under the impression. Like season ticket holders are going to gobble these up whenever they are officially put on sale or made available. I, okay. I guess there's you know there's there's a bit of a public window to uh, grab tickets. I'm not even going to try. Well, I'll enjoy it from my house. Television's very um, underrated at times. It's, it's a great a, it's technology. A great, it's a great medium. Yeah. You know what? I don't, I don't need to watch this in person. I don't know. I need somebody over top of me, like dropping their nachos on me and, you know, knocking the back of my seat for, for four quarters and screaming into my ear. I don't need any of that. No, no, that sounds awful. Have you had that experience? Um, nachos spilling on you on your shoulder and I've not. You? I've never had nachos spilt on me, but I do recall once... I, w- I was going on a date, and as we sit down at the beginning of the movie, a guy is passing me, and dudes, like, pop, just like he's holding it. On you. Oh, all over me, dude. I was like... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like, pop, all over you. Like, pop is just the, the worst. worst liquid the worst. to get 
thrown on you. It should be banned from all theaters just for that reason. Yeah. For all water only. Yes. So, um, so what, what happened? Well, did you make the guy like do your dry cleaning or, or something like? No, Come no, on. I did not. I did not get him to do my dry cleaning. I can't remember. It was probably the most Canadian interaction. Oh, are you okay? Oh, no. I'm just completely soaked right now uh, as, I, as I'm on this date. But it's going swimmingly. <laughs> it's going tremendous. So thank you. Thank you so much. This movie looks uh, wonderful as it is. And now I've got two hours of, of this to just lie in. But thanks. Thanks. Is your pop okay? I hope you can go get a refill. Be nice if you, uh, you know, compensate me for my movie ticket maybe. See that response didn't sound all that Canadian. It sounded more um, maybe uh, sarcastic, sarcastically uh, from a, whatever country that well, they like to do that. Sarcasm is my second language, uh, but the Raptors win, so that's great news. And way for the next uh, two weeks, we will be watching Raw on OLN, unless you're streaming it. I guess did you did you stream Raw tonight or did you uh, you did. I, I stream exclusively, like uh, on the on the Sportsnet app. I, I don't have physical cable hooked up. Oh, okay. I've tried that Sportsnet. It, it's not. I've gotten more used to it, but I still uh-huh. watch uh, watch Raw on TV. Okay, it's a so pain what, in the ass rewinding on that on that player. Not really. No. Well, anyway. Hey, so what? What? Uh, so it's basketball next week as well that it's being preempted for. I don't know what the uh, conflict is because Sportsnet obviously has NHL as well. They've got uh, and they like the Raptors. Like it flips back and forth from TSN to Sportsnet, but they've got mm-hmm. basketball. Um, the Blue Jays are playing now, so it's just a, a full throttle of sports. When it got, the SmackDown number on Friday got killed in Canada because of the Jays are doing insane numbers. They're doing like over 1.4 million viewers for for just these regular games. Um, oh, wow. Then you had like two NHL games. You had two NBA games on Friday. So SmackDown got killed um, on on Friday. But that's probably going to be um, the the reality for the next while because the NHL playoffs are going to be starting as well. That's going to be big up here. And mm-hmm. again, the Blue Jays are huge here in Canada. So um, there, there's a lot of sports competition, not just in the U.S., but also in Canada as well. So, yes, I watched it on OLN tonight. Um, I barely even noticed a difference other than finding out I have this channel. It's a different number you have to press. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Well, um, we do have our post-daily news show up today. The first 11 and a half minutes. You know what? I'm not even going to make a joke about it because I've gotten no, not one negative response to it. I've only heard positive from it. I've actually heard people yeah. preemptively tell me, if you hear anyone complaining about this, don't listen to them. It's great that you two are enjoying F1 so much. Keep talking about it. So that is what we did for the first 11 or so minutes of the Post Daily News Show, because we are coming off of the big race in Italy. I cannot uh, give you the exact pronunciation. It's actually a very long name, but um, this was, I've heard many dissections of this race and and what it meant and what I watched and then learned what I watched. Yeah, for people who might, you know, not be checking out the Post Daily News updates and might only be checking out these reviews. um, We're quietly moving to an F1 show, uh, Mondays through Friday at 1. Yes, we are in the midst of uh, overhauling our network completely from now on. Um, We will be slowly uh, changing, you know, uh, the the format of the shows to include more and more F1 talk. We're starting with 10% of the show dedicated to F1 today. Uh, Soon, next week, it'll turn to 15, then 20. And by this time next year, we'll be full on post-racing podcast. You know what this is giving me the excuse to do? It's something I've always envied about you, but I've just never had the, um, the push to actually do it is creating lists on Twitter. 
Oh, okay. Yes. So I've started my like F1. I list. thought you were going to say something like wear a hat. You know, that's where I, that's where I thought you were going. I've actually at, at times been wearing a hat when I have gone to do this show and I sit down and I'm like, I can't wear a hat. I can't change now and just wear a hat. It'll be too obnoxious for people. I think like there's something wrong. It's weird yes, to go. Yes, that'll happen. You'll get people in the comments saying, oh my God, John's wearing a hat. Just like when I don't wear a hat, people are like, oh, where's Way's hat? Then after a week, it's it's gone. So. Yeah, I guess so. Well, maybe I'll wear a hat one of these days. Maybe. Um, okay, so you're gonna. I, I like Twitter that. That was your immediate reaction. Was that that is the change that that John is about to undergo? He's maybe I somehow inspired you to wear hats, but uh, no. Instead, it's it's to create Twitter lists. Yeah. You better be careful with that, because I mean, you know who just bought the service and knows that you're probably going to create those lists. Yes, I might be out of here from Musk till dawn. <laughs> That's is that the headline that people are going with. Uh, that's the one I just made up now. Oh, that's very good. Yeah, what do you think of that? Elon I don't Musk know what I'm supposed Twitter. to think about that. I think Twitter Twitter is, and I don't know if Elon Musk is going to be able to change this. Twitter is this essential, essential service might be an overstretch, but it's like a daily tool. It's a fantastic tool for it's people. It's a form of communication. It's yes. your homepage. That's what it is. It's yeah. not a fantastic business. Like that mm-hmm. has been the struggle of Twitter is being a... a heavily profitable business in the sense of like an Amazon or a Google. Like it's not at that level. So, I mean, if you have 44 billion to spend, cool. Um, I don't know. It's probably going to send some people off of Twitter. Um, it's not making me uh, cancel Twitter, but um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I feel like Twitter, it's like it's reached its level and it's very influential, but I also don't see it like growing at the at the rate it was say 10 12 years ago i I do feel like there is a generational like with all these social media platforms there's there's going to be a a certain generation that that'll stick with it and that's their thing and then there's going to be new things that'll replace it and younger people aren't necessarily going to use it i mean we see we see it happen with facebook and i think maybe our generation is is more the twitter generation and then beyond that it's probably tiktok and who knows what else in the future um but you know I'll, i'll say like having the man Having any person's face attached to our communications tool feels icky, feels weird, especially when it's a dude that's, you know, like kind of strange, you know, in, in Elon Musk. Like, I, I, I know that, 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 you know, ultimately everybody can see what you're tweeting out there, but it's it's the idea that, you know, continuing to use the platform is in somehow some way benefiting this this one person that just kind of feels a bit strange and yeah i don't know if i'll, I'll change i mean i kind of need it for work so I'll, and i still enjoy using it from time to time so i, I probably will, will continue using it but I, i'm curious to see what the what the effect is uh overall yeah for sure um yeah i i think that uh, you know this is going to be such a uh analyzed story but um yeah i i think it's like it it's it's something that you are buying that is it is it a great investment? It seems like it's a cool thing to have for Elon Musk, but uh, what, what changes? What changes come about with, with Twitter? Like he is very much yeah. pushing like the idea of a platform that they are not going to be um, curbing speech on Twitter or getting into any of that. It seems like it'll just be anything goes, and that will um, that will both uh, bring about a certain population back to Twitter. Or, and it will also send people away from Twitter as well. And that's your balancing act. But I don't know if this person is running this with the idea of this being a uh, a money maker versus this is an expensive toy I have. And it's one of the most um, influential toys in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, positive or negative, we, we, we shall find out. Maybe we're all going to space. All, all possible. All possible. What if, what if the bird changes to his face? 
The bluebird is gone. It turns it and changes into space, just space. Like no, nothing? Elon Musk's face. Oh, his face. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, no, no, not space. Hmm. Face. Um, I mean, it'd probably be a second page app rather than a front page app for me on my phone. After that, it's not on my phone, so I can't. Uh, I can't oh, so you're already halfway there. I'm I'm halfway there. Yes. Well, we have tonight's RAW from Knoxville, Tennessee, at the Thompson Bowling Arena, or as they called it. The University of Knoxville. Okay. Or the University of Tennessee. I can't remember what they were calling mm-hmm. it tonight, but they didn't call it the arena's name. Corey Graves is back, back from his honeymoon, replacing Jerry Lawler. And Riddle is in the ring with talent surrounding the ring for Randy Orton's anniversary celebration. And they played a video, uh, including his debut against Hardcore Holly 20 years ago. And then we go into all of the highlights of his career. And they picked the most... 2005 Randy Orton tribute song voices by motionless in white. This song just screamed 2005 garbage. <laughs> I don't know when the song came out, but man, did this take me back to this like era? <laughs> I, you know, I'm sure music like this still gets made. They go through all his title wins, 14 time world champion, and then to his team with riddle. So they covered the basis, I guess of the Randy Orton career. No, uh, no Bray Wyatt in this in this video. I mean, well, we I, did have a scene of him burning down the Wyatt family compound. That was okay, was that much, in there? Okay, then yeah. they then they covered their bases. Orton comes out and he notes that he was born here in Knoxville, Tennessee, and this would have been when his father was uh, wrestling for the Poffo family for their their ICW promotion, and says you can go check this out on Wikipedia. And he might be a he might be twenty years into this, but I'm not going anywhere. Look at these goddamn abs. And he mentions Hunter, Michael, Cena, The Undertaker, Mick Foley. And he takes a minute to really put over Mick Foley, stating, I would not be here without Mick Foley. Same with Hunter. Same with Ric Flair. So we got a Ric Flair mention as well. It was and, nice to see Foley get some specific mention, you know, after many people were, were criticizing um, his his lack of mention in The Undertaker. Speech. That's that's a great point. Like there was that um, there was that mention coming out of the Undertaker Hall of Fame speech, and that was that was a huge match. You could certainly say that was the biggest match of Orton's career, and mm-hmm. Foley has called it his best match, and that's not a stretch at all. Like that was a monumental match for those two in Edmonton, and he says he's having more fun than ever with with Riddle. I love you," he says, and gives the man a hug. It's like, man, this is this is just like tailor made here for this guy saying he loves him. It's like someone's getting killed here, and Riddle has a surprise, so he brings out Cody Rhodes. They all hug. Thought that we were going to get a, a Ted Junior chant. Yeah, uh, no, that didn't happen. That did not happen. So no. the two of them are are here, and. Rollins interrupts, making fun of them, says that Randy's best years are behind him. You're not the present or the future of WWE. Neither is Cody, 36-year-old over-the-hill Cody. And uh, future stars are going to be inspired by Seth Rollins. And Ezekiel walks into the ring and introduces himself to Randy, stating that, I used to watch you with my brother. And (laughs) Kevin Owens... Then appears, and he's calling Ezekiel a liar. The Usos show up. They were watching Randy when they were 15 years old, which is really impressive because the Usos had to have been ordering OVW tapes off that website. 
Well, you know, his dad would have had some connections, you know, maybe. You think he got some uh, some dubbed uh, VHSs for them? Like, this is uh, this is the Davis Arena, and this is uh, Randall Keith Orton. Wait a second. So, so how old are the Usos now? What are they the, talking about? The Usos were born in 85, so they okay. would have been 15 in, like, 2000, 2001. And Randy started in, like, late 2000. Okay, so maybe they should have backtracked into 16. 16. 16 would have been... You know, when he was on the main roster. Mm. And then Adam Pierce comes out, and wouldn't you know it, we've got eight guys. What are we going to do? He made a number. Perfect. Imagine, imagine if we had had like um, the Miz wandered out here or something, or Ted DiBiase Jr. was there. No main event. Thankfully, we have four and four baby faces and heels right down the middle, and Adam Pierce makes an eight man tag. As Owen strikes Ezekiel and then is hit with an RKO. This setup for the eight-man tag, 18 minutes of television time to start the show. Yeah, 18 minutes. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, it was probably the thing I was looking forward to the most about this show. You know, of anything that was listed, it was the uh, Randy Orton celebration. It's not every day that you get to celebrate 20 years legitimately of somebody's um, employment within one company and 20 years in this industry. That's that's a legitimately... Independently contracted. Okay, yes, yes, that is right. Yeah. But, you know, a, a, like an unbroken really, like not not taking any really significant time off in in that time, certainly not going to the competition. So, I I thought, you know, um it, it was interesting to see what they would would do to celebrate it. And I'll say like, you know, in in sort of like the 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 run of celebration episodes that we've type of, we've had like the, the the run of like this is your life type of segments this didn't really rank up there whatsoever honestly like beyond this nice video which was very nice although uh, i mean how do you c- compile 20 20 years into one video um and then some a quick set of thank yous from orton which se- did seem very genuine and very heartfelt it, it, it was really just a, a bit of a setup for you know your by the numbers Everybody who is in the ring gets to be in the main event tonight type of uh, uh, segment. Beyond that, we didn't really get any sort of special appearances. Even the Cody reunion, which I felt, we talked about it this afternoon. This is a potential WrestleMania main event between these two. They had a bit of a, a, a handshake, but we didn't hear any words from Cody. Like Ultimately, the segment itself didn't feel all that special. I mean, you, yeah, you got the Orton-Cody involvement. Um, yeah, it, As you were saying that, I was wondering if, if they had held off on this anniversary for three months and they made those, those wellness violations uh, that would delay those, <laughs> those periods don't count. Okay. And they, uh, those, those are strikes against him. So they, so they celebrate the anniversaries as if they like do their contracts. Like if you take any like, time the, off for the injury. wellness policy would have been, it freezes, it freezes. So those, okay. those, those uh, 30 and 60 days don't count. Interesting. Yeah, that'd be some difficult math. Um, like it'd be your anniversary and you wouldn't even know it. Yeah, that'd be a tricky promo to uh, cut as well to explain why we're doing this later. But yeah, that was our opening segment. And then we got into uh, the wrestling portion of this show. And I, I say that lightly because the first two hours of this show, um, dude, there was um, so little wrestling during the first two hours of this show. But we started off with Bianca Belair and Sonya Deville for the Raw Women's title. And immediately, Sonya is tossed over the announcer's desk and is counted out in 46 seconds. Crowd was not crazy about this. But then DeVille stops Mike Rome from announcing the uh, the finish and blames there being water on the floor. And the match is restarted with no countouts. 
So DeVille grabs her by the braid, sends her into the timekeeper's area, and DeVille comes back with a chair, this time being disqualified. This one goes 54 seconds. And then DeVille restarts the match a second time, stating no DQs, no countouts, and defended herself, saying Belair used a foreign object, her braid, first. And she waves down Carmella and Queen Zelina. So as we come back, it's pretty much a three-on-one handicap match. Belair is going for a glam slam, but that's countered, and she is sent into the turnbuckle. There's a DDT to Belair onto a chair, but she kicks out, and DeVille sets up a chair in the corner, but it is DeVille that is thrown into the chair. Vega gets knocked off the apron, and then a handspring sends Carmella to the floor as Belair pins DeVille with the KOD and gets a nice pop here in her hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee, and having to overcome the three heels. Mm -hmm. This match was basically the entire half year Sonya Naomi program condensed into, you know, whatever 10 minutes that you had here. I would say neither of the feuds were particularly great, but I think I much preferred the five minute version because it kind of achieved the same thing in just a much shorter amount of time. So, uh, I mean, ultimately it just resulted in, I think a, a really nice baby face victory in, in front of their hometown, making Bianca Belair look very good. So yeah, I thought it was a positive. Does this set anything up for Bianca Belair coming out of this? Can you revisit this match with Sonya? Like, she overcame all three of them here. I don't know what she does after this, unless uh, you're fast-tracking Rhea for that spot, but that would seem quick for Backlash. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I personally don't think this program continues at all. Again, it, it, like... This, this was felt so, pretty decisive. Like, this feels to me like you could have... Uh, she beat him t- three times, Yeah. right? Yeah. So, I, I... But this is Sonya Deville we're talking about. They could... They could come... <laughs> drag this thing on for another six months with these types of uh, stipulations. Well, that, really that's what I'm to. saying. I could very well see they come up with some stipulation and do this again at the pay-per-view, but this match was totally not designed to extend it beyond this. Like, she overcame everything. I, I didn't really see anything more. It's like, hey, it's, it's her hometown. Let's make her look good type of thing. Which but. is fine. Like, if I'm looking at, like, there is an argument of her winning in her hometown versus holding this off to backlash. What does it really matter? Do it in the hometown. I'm fine with that. But um, I'm curious what Belair's next, um, what who her next opponent is going to be because it's not a whole lot of, of heels that we well, have. Are we sure that she'll have a defense? No, I mean she 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 maybe just doesn't have a of an an opponent for backlash and is not there. Carmella and Vega are arguing backstage. Deville said they had one job and now they don't get a tag title rematch. They're they're. They're being sent to the back of the line of the women's tag team division. They're going to have to work their way back up to win a chance to fight for the titles. Mm, Meaning they'll have to beat one team, potentially. And then DeVille uh, goes William Regal and slaps these two like they were Wheeler Yuta. Well, I was going to say Stephanie McMahon, you know, because... I just like you're talking about whether or not things are going to lead to other programs. And this segment in particular just kind of reminded me of one of those Stephanie McMahon things where she would slap members of the roster just to really establish subordination. And it wouldn't obviously lead to a match. Of course, Sonya Deville, you know, being a female competitor, slapping another female in the, in the division can lead to a match. But I I don't know. I, I, I question whether or not that was the intent or if this was just like Sonya getting her heat back. You know, well, in a, in any uh, sense, we went to Edge's lair with Damian Priest, as the announcers note, what has become a dogmatic union between these two. 
And Edge explains that they look down on everyone from their mountain of omnipotence. They make fun of the fans cheering for the Tennessee Volunteers and supporting the current mayor of Knox County. Uh, this did not get the heel reaction that I think they thought it would. Um, mayor Glenn Jacobs has not been the uh, the most popular person on a uh, on a uh, national level, I would say, over the past couple of days after this tweet he put out about the uh, the homeless in Knox County, a pretty insensitive uh, remark uh, about people uh, that are homeless uh, within his county. And that has gotten a lot, a lot of negativity. And uh, Glenn Jacobs as mayor has received a lot of criticism during his time in office as well. So I don't know how uh, beloved or reviled he is in uh, the political scene in Knox County, but this was not a line where I think it was very much designed that they would, uh, it's an easy uh, reaction for the crowd. Uh, Don't insult our mayor, but that was not the reaction I detected. Yeah. I'm not really aware of this story. Um, The the tweet I'll read. This was on, on, on Saturday. He had tweeted out, Allowing homeless people to camp out on public property does not help them. It enables them and prevents them from seeking the aid and resources they need to get back on their feet. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I couldn't really make out the reaction to the mention, but did you hear like much, you know, uh, uh, um, booze or, or, or anything to, for Edge? To me, they they were very subdued. There were some boos when when he said the Mm -hmm. line. But to me, it was a line that was designed to be akin to insulting the the sports team. And I I don't think it was met that way. Um, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's a polarizing figure within his own uh, county there and amongst those people in that crowd. Uh, Pro and negative. Like, I'm I'm sure he has his supporters, too. Mm. Uh, But anyway, uh, we go on from that. And then Edge does this hillbilly accent and notes the criticism people have of him using the undertaker's colors of purple and black and says that people need to realize that him and priest, we are better than your favorites. And then focuses attention on AJ stating he's at home nursing his left shoulder, the same shoulder I injured in my return at the Royal rumble in 2020, calling back to that injury. And he remembered that AJ did not hit the phenomenal forearm at WrestleMania And if he used it at Backlash, he might be able to win. So he took out the arm because he doesn't think AJ can hit that move with only one good arm. So AJ, you're in over your head. You should stay at home and hug your family with your one good arm. And Damien is going to face Balor tonight and says, your guilt has been determined and I'm the punishment. Your judgment day has arrived. And then had the most... uh, (laughs) comical evil laugh at the end of this but this is the new name that the group is going by judgment day right okay yeah based on the uh the poster or the method man song uh, uh, album in fact yeah. okay album it, both go. both no he's got but, the he had the, yeah he had the judgment day he song did too. yeah yeah but um but more specifically the uh the uh pay-per-view poster Yes, yeah, with the scales of justice. That yeah, right. people have been circulating that when they when they uh, had started. That it's it's pretty much like um, this 2008 poster. That's kind of the, the the look that they are going for now. I think it's it's cool. Yeah, it's yeah. it's it works. Like they, I, I like this promo more so uh, less of like the the mountain of omnipotent stuff and more so like the the targeting of AJ and tying it in. And you've got this story for the match at backlash with uh, whether AJ can do the phenomenal forearm or win with something else. Well, I was going to say, I like the promo a lot more hearing you recap it 
because I thought you like just hearing it diluted through you. I got to hear more so the highlights and it felt a lot more serious. I'm not a fan of the presentation of this whole thing. I'm with um, you. Between the the the, the, per, the overdone purple lighting in the dark room and like what looks to be some semblance of like fake, you know, smoke smoke. Oh, when effect, they, when they replayed like, the the light flickering with AJ, dude, that was so embarrassing. That light flickering thing yeah. and AJ being spooked by it, like that to me was like, uh, you know, high school drama. Yeah, yeah, and I think we've gone through enough of these sort of like, uh, uh, you know, uh, godlike types of gimmicks over the years to the point where we should now know what what actually looks cool and what actually looks kind of goofy and, and corny and comic book like. And I, I do have like some issues with maybe edges like delivery, the con the content in particular, like the stuff pointing out like the, the shoulder setting up like a storyline for the in-ring quality uh, content itself is really compelling, is really great. But th- the rest of it still feels a little bit too like, you know, over They're the cartoon top, characters, cartoonish to me. And, and the presentation, I think, is doesn't necessarily help that. Yeah, and to me, it's I think it's it's um, excessively um, annoying because Edge has been someone that has been a great promo, and mm. and you're taking him into and like, real and real, and that's something that this these shows are in short supply in WWE of that realness that a Adam Copeland conveyed, and now he is doing to me much more of a kind of WWE style of, of promo. And and working still realism into it, but it's it's under the veil of this character that to me it, it just hasn't been a seamless transition. And to me, it's it's a it's a less effective version of Edge than the one that he was prior. Mm-hmm. Veer Mahan uh, mowed through Sam Smothers with a million dollar arm and cervical clutch in 37 seconds, and then beat the piss out of this guy uh, further, including. An oldie but a goodie where he put him onto the announcer's desk and then applied the submission, reminding us that a submission is even more painful when elevated from the floor. Well, listen, it's you got you got like pens there, papers and like iPads, you know, it can't be comfortable. Uh, You're already in that move. But like, you know, having a bumpy fan, Michael Cole's fan. Uh, and imagine if someone's there. pop fell on you and you had pop all over yourself <laughs> It'd be awful. the next two hours. It'd be awful. So the beer Mahan is well aware of that. And, uh, yeah, you know, um, it, it's, it's about as I think, you know, like name your giant that like in WWE recent history and in, in like a Braun Strowman or like whatever, like, uh, what's, what's the Aziz, like all these dudes, like they go through the same cycle, the same type of push, have them come out there, scream a whole lot, maybe put them in a, you know, a submission hold. And some of like what we can judge is how well the performer actually conveys it and, and how well, how convincing and how entertaining they are ultimately as they're doing this sort of, sort of um, one size fits all type of character. And um, I'll say, I think Fear Mahan's doing a good job. Like, I think, I think the intensity is there. Um, they're, you know, certainly establishing this cervical, cervical clutch pretty well and pretty simply. So several weeks in, I think he's doing an all right job. Yeah. And I guess we will see when the Mysterios come back, that would be the obvious uh, program that he has lined up, whether it's, uh, going through Dominic again, or you go straight back to, uh, to Ray. Bobby Lashley is with Sarah Schreiber. He's shadow boxing and she asks, that's an odd way to prepare for an arm wrestling contest which was a good observation. And he notes that he knows he is stronger than Omos, but he has to be prepared to fight because he does not trust 
Omos or MVP. So, um, a, a good, good forward thinking good by instance. Bobby Lashley. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't yeah. help him, but he knew what was coming. So they're out in the ring for the arm wrestling contest, and MVP is getting the what chance, and he just tells the crowd, shut up, and keeps going, and describes what Omos is going to do. So Lashley is out, and they just start the arm wrestling contest. They don't do the traditional one, the heel delays, or the guy gets involved. They just go right to it. They're going back and forth. Omos is winning, but then Lashley powers back, and he wins. He beats Omos. And MVP is about to strike him with a cane, but Lashley catches him, and Omos attacks from behind, rams his face into the arm wrestling table, and proceeds to lift the desk and drop it repeatedly on his ribs. And once again, we got the referees out to uh, break everything up here. Um, it, we also had a casualty here in the form of the ringside mat. Yes. Which... Man, Omos threw this arm wrestling table through and punched a hole in this, you know, what must have been very expensive ringside mat. One of the announcers said he has (laughs) destroyed the floor. (laughs) Uh, Impressive. Uh, But, I mean, um, yeah, it's it's there to tell you that, hey, like, those things are pretty indestructible. So this this arm wrestling table must have been pretty heavy. Imagine what that'll look like in the video package with the sound effects and the close-up of the the mat being torn. Probably get lightning bolts, like explosions, you know, added to it in post. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, it's like it's kind of a corny old school gimmick, like arm wrestling, babyface wins, and the heel um, ends up attacking him anyway. I thought it worked. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, there's a wrestling match to come, but that's um, that's inevitable. Dana, Reggie, Tozawa, and Tamina are with R Truth, who is now licensed for uh, couples counseling, and they're gonna have a mixed tag. Uh huh. Is this how uh, couples therapy works? You have a mixed tag with the other couple in therapy with you? I, I mean, I don't know what sort of school of canceling our truth went to, but um, yeah, there are different philosophies and methods and schools that teach you different ways, I'm sure. Well, we have our mixed tag. Truth is the referee. Tamina has Dana and like dips her and they're like teasing that they're going to kiss. Mm-hmm. No one reacted in the crowd. Yeah, I think like there was a bit of reaction during the wedding segment when Tamina walked over to, um, you know, tease that she was marrying Dana. But like, you know, I don't think there was enough interest, certainly in 2022, to like carry on with it, to tease people with a potential, you know, same sex storyline that I just don't think is shocking nor novel nor like, you know, um, that interesting. So but they they're, they at least tried again this week. Yeah, kind of like... um an underestimating of your audience of what they think is like, you know, I don't know. This just seemed like a spot. It, it just totally fell flat for the story obvious spot they were intending for. Story-wise, like it's never really been teased except for like last week and then like this segment here. But like as far as like what they're talking and their interactions, I mean, nothing really to lead you to think that. Tozawa gets tagged. He says he loves Tamina before hitting a big senton and pinning Reggie in 90 seconds and then jumps into Tamina's arms Dana then checks on Reggie. Tamina goes to attack her. Tozawa can't pin her. And then as she goes to leave, R-Truth rolls her up, and he's making his own count. Dana kicks out and runs off with the belt. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is where, like, I think the my run- body- The runaway bride. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Because they're married, right? That. Or they're committed. Committed. Committed, yes. yeah. Yeah, well... 
you know, um, let's just move on. You don't waste analysis on this, man. My, my, honestly, my body just hit a wall like by this point in the show. And I, I just I just thought this was pretty bad TV. Like of all the things a human being can do in our modern time, why would anybody choose to watch this? By 9.40 p.m., we had had less than 10 minutes of wrestling. And I'm not Mr. Like, oh, look at all the, the stats of like wrestling time versus talking time, whatever. But, dude, this show, it was – if you listen to WrestleNomics, Chris Gullo went to the show last week in Buffalo. And he was stating, like, the audience, like, the times they were lively was when the matches were happening. And I'm not saying you're going to get three hours of wrestling. But, dude, 10 minutes in an hour and 40 minutes – like you kill these crowds that for a large part, they're just sitting there. These these commercials, the lights go down and you're watching videos and stuff. You're watching backstage promos or you're listening to promos. And man, of course, it's going to wear your crowd down over this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, but not to mention, like just even watching at home, like especially some of this 24-7 stuff. I mean, I, I'm, I like it some weeks depending on my energy levels, but I just didn't have that much for it this week. Becky Lynch returns, her first time appearing on the show since WrestleMania, and she's despondent. It's been three years since she walked out on Raw without her title. No one could beat her for it until now, and she didn't want to come because she didn't know who she was without that title. I've hit rock bottom. But then a light bulb goes off, and she realizes that she has hit rock bottom, so there is nowhere to go but up. And this is just the beginning of a legendary comeback. And she laughs maniacally and says that no one does a better comeback better than her. And she can't wallow with the schlubs of the earth. Instead, she will shoot into the skies like an arrow, referring to the title as my precious. And she will overcome their hometown girl, Bianca Belair, so that no one can stop her. Now, um, this very much was in line with where we saw this character going, who loses her mind after losing the title and becomes just like this uh, unhinged version of Becky Lynch. Uh, did she pull it off way? Um, did she pull it off? I mean, I think it's a start, you know, I think, I think it's the first week that we've seen the character and uh week one, I, 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 I was at least entertained, you know, I, I really get a kick out of like seeing her take the character into new directions. She's a very creative person. And I think likes to take some risks much like, you know, her husband does. And, I will say, like, I think I enjoyed first week of Be- Unhinged Becky a lot more than maybe first week of Unhinged Rollins. Um, yes, yes. I I will say, though, I I could see I, – I think Becky is a very good performer, but much like Edge, I think, like, the more grounded version is the way more effective one, too. Um, but maybe this is just our – the version of Becky that we are going to go through, and at some point they will get to. Get, I, I truly believe if we are actually looking at a Becky Ronda program by Mania next year, mm-hmm. I think Ronda by that point is going to have to be a heel, and this Becky needs to be the top babyface version of Becky Lynch by then. But you don't have to do that now. But I do feel if that's your program, it is not going to be with these two versions of those two. Mm-hmm. But uh, Ronda is not interrupting her. Instead, Asuka makes her return. She has been gone since July, got a very good reaction coming out here, and just said that I will stop you because no one is ready for Asuka. And then Becky swings at her, Asuka ducks, and Becky bails out of the ring. So Asuka got one match in front of fans after the Thunderdome at Money in the Bank and has been gone since. So this was only her second time um, in front of a live crowd. 
Was it injury? Like, do we know why? Like, was it injury? Like, I what? believe it was a shoulder injury. Okay, and she like that, that photo would come up with her in like a, a sling. I believe shoulder. Okay, okay. Well, um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm certainly happy to see her back. You know, the match at this point feels fresh. You're dealing with a very like very different dynamics between the, the two from the last time that they met, and it's a totally different Becky Lynch. It's been a while since we've seen these two together, so I, I think it's the type of match that has enough interest, really, just to draw attention on its own on paper. But we'll see in terms of story what they can do. I mean, again, like when you're talking about Asuka, you're going to have to rely on your the opponent to do much of the heavy lifting when it comes to speaking and whatnot. But I'm really curious to see what sort of evolution we, we're going to see in Asuka's character. Because, you know, just hearing her tonight, it was just kind of the same catchphrase, same pattern where she just, you know, speaks some Japanese. And then it's just into um, you're, nobody is ready for Asuka. And I, I, I love Asuka. It's been a long time since we've seen her. But still, like... I want to see. I want to see what something different. I want to see like last time she she did the Kabuki Warriors thing. That was that was kind of neat, kind of different. But what's the next level for her? Maybe she'll turn way and she'll blame the fans. You forgot about me. These damn fans. <laughs> yeah. Every, every heel's hatred for for the fans. Are you surprised at all that she is coming back in theory to be the, this baby face on a brand that you know you have Becky and. Uh, at the same time, like, do you are you surprised at all that she was on Raw instead of like you know setting her up for Bianca, for instance? Uh, oh. Setting her up for Bianca or being on on SmackDown, where you at least have a, a heel champion. Um, but I, I guess you could run into the same issue on on SmackDown a, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have Raquel Rodriguez. You have some some a bunch of other Zia Lee, who I think they're trying to make a project into on SmackDown. So, and Bailey is another question, you know, um, and Alexa Bliss, like you have a number of names that are just kind of floating out there with, without, you know, a a real home right now. So, um, I I wasn't that surprised. Uh, the Street Profits did a promo. Essentially, they want the winners of the United, uh, the unified tag team championship match after backlash and then Finn Balor versus Damian Priest and Edge is on this throne that glides on the stage. And then it transitions to Damien Priest's music and is announced as representing Judgment Day. All right. Hey, how about the return of faction names? You know, like, man, for the longest time, I feel like it's just like, here's a, you know, this dude plus this dude plus this dude. And, you know, they're just all going to come out together. Like, I, I'm glad we at least have proper factions. Uh, well, well, for now we do. I mean, uh, didn't do the hurt business very good to have a name. It was just easier. You, you make that gear, yeah, I guess so, and then right. um, and then it's it's trouble. So uh, there's a razor's edge to Balor on the edge of the apron. We come back. Uh, Balor choke uh, counters a choke slam, and Priest misses him in the corner. Priest is knocked down from the apron, and then as Finn climbs, he just stares at Edge. This guy who's been there the whole match, he's just locked on this guy. And the distraction leads to Priest hitting the South of Heaven chokeslam and an elevated flatliner for the win. And uh, Finn Balor, boy. <laughs> yeah, it's another week, another Finn Balor loss. Match was good, though. <laughs> yeah, it was It was, It was. was a fine match. Um, yeah, like a commercial right in the middle. And um, yeah, I, I can't say it was... Uh, all that memorable after the fact, but it, it was fine for, for the time it had. There was nothing wrong with it. No, uh, not unless you're a Finn Balor fan and, you know. I mean, it's it's so the role he's, he's slotted in at the moment. Miz TV 
the Miz is out and he brings out Theory. And they show a photo from last week of Theory with the title doing a selfie with Vince and Corey Graves say that photo alone is why Elon Musk bought Twitter. Just so he could own that. Just to have that photo. Does he wow. own your photos? I guess so. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, 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 I terms don't want to ask. Terms of uh, service. Make sure you uh, read those. Miz says it's been a while since someone brought credibility to the U.S. title. In fact, 12 years. Because 12 years ago, the Miz held this title. I'm sure everyone remembers that reign. Mm-hmm. He grew up. Theory says he grew up watching the Miz and said that he will prove that he is the best investment that Vince McMahon has ever made. Um, He's made some awful investments in his life, so um, we will see. And he will take this title to new heights and be remembered as the U.S. champion. And then the two are interrupted by the returning Mustafa Ali. And I know what you're thinking, Way. Oh, my God. Ali has been traded to Raw because he was drafted to SmackDown last October. I was not thinking that, but thank you for letting us know. Well, he's on Raw. Huge, huge movement. And Miz asks if he still works here. Theory asks, aren't you the guy that took his ball and went home? And then Miz jokes that this is Mufasa, Mustafa's younger brother. And Ali says, that's a really bad joke. And if I needed to laugh, I would watch you wrestle. And he's hoping that Theory will hold an open challenge so he can challenge him tonight for the title. Theory declines the offer. And Ali says he has no balls. And he's running away like your name is The Miz. And Miz says that I don't have the power to just wave a magic wand and make a match. But then Theory interjects and says, I texted Vince. The match is on. So Miz is put into this match with the returning Mustafa Ali, who sounded very good during this promo. He did, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it was a good reintroduction for him. I mean, a surprising one that he would come back at all. Of course, I thought the audience in Knoxville seemed to think it was a surprise. You had some welcome back chance here. Um, you know, uh, we did wouldn't really get much of a sense of the character until maybe seeing the match. But yeah, one week in, I thought it was a good return. Uh, they they had a. F- Fine match here. Ali landed a, a spinning heel kick coming back with a rolling neck breaker. He's caught with a DDT after trying for an O'Connor roll. And then Ali lands on his knee badly, and Miz tries to capitalize with a figure four, but Ali counters that with a twisting leg cradle, catching the Miz in six minutes and 41 seconds. But as Ali is leaving, he gets attacked by Chompa. Just yeah. Chompa. Just Chompa now. Yeah, I dropped the first name. Um, you know, I thought Ali looked real smooth here. I, I and I'm I'm getting a sense that maybe the character now is just well, he's a very good wrestler. Like if you followed his Twitter throughout the everything, um, he constantly puts up his training videos, and it, it seems like they're trying to give him what he wants, and maybe giving his audience, his fans, what what we want, and that's just a a chance to see this guy wrestle and and you know pull off flashy moves. And to showcase that aspect of the character, I thought The Miz was really a perfect opponent here. I thought The Miz set up the interaction wonderfully. And because The Miz's in-ring tools aren't flashy, um, they're they're rather kind of, you know, uh, some would say limited. But I think they're very safe. They're very effective. And they provide a great canvas for a flashy baby face to look good, which is what I think The Miz did here. That's kind of the Miz's role. I mean, mm-hmm. we got to give um, Logan Paul his shine at the end of WrestleMania. Kill the Miz. We need Cody to beat someone to introduce him on TV. Beat the Miz. 
Mustafa Ali's coming back. Beat the Miz. Yeah, yeah, and and you can make the argument like this Miz. They gave the Miz the championship not that long ago, so you can argue that maybe it's a it's a role that's kind of beneath him. But I I think he plays it effectively, and I don't think he ever loses anything by doing this. So, uh, we might have lost John Pollock, and uh, maybe he didn't. Am I really... back? You are back. Yeah, I was thinking maybe you didn't like my my Miz praise. Um, no, uh, that was, uh, I guess retribution was taking over my feed here. So. Oh, so oh, the return of retribution. Yes. Yes. A number of people in the chat room are, are calling me out for it because there are a number of, of faction names like retribution, like the bloodline. Uh, I'm sorry. I forgot, to, um, recently. So there you go. Sarah Schreiber interviews Rhea Ripley. She finally opened her eyes. She came here two years ago and became women's champion on her own. And then I was tossed into the tag division with partners that made me weak and brought me down to their level. And then Liv Morgan attacks her and yet another pull apart on this show as uh, Liv and Rhea come to blows. So she was forced into these tag teams way. Forced. So, um, I thought yeah. she was going to live for brutality. She wore it. She, she had like a fake tattoo on her face for it. Well, who would willingly sign up for that? Wow. I guess not her. So Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan coming to blows. Kevin Owens is arguing with Alpha Academy over payment for the lie detector test. And Owens refuses to pay Chad Gable. So Rollins walks in and they want to go over the game plan. Owens at least brings up last week the fact that, yeah, we had like a we we had a big fight last week and we're teaming this week. Does that make any sense? Rollins just says that was in the moment. And he says he should put Rollins through a lie detector test. The Usos come in and say, "We, you need to fall in line. We need to win tonight or else Roman will be mad. And Rollins just laughs this off, puts his arm around Kevin, and Kevin promptly removes it. Yeah, some, some fun dynamics between all of these four. Um, I thought they were, you know, entertaining together. Omos and MVP spoke to Kevin Patrick and... Says that Lashley sure didn't look like a winner tonight, even though he won the arm wrestling contest. Tonight was about Braun. Uh, it was not about Braun. It was about brains. And Lashley isn't the almighty without MVP. And Omos has officially challenged Bobby Lashley for WrestleMania backlash. Mm-hmm. A big a big challenge that has been met. I like the Kevin Patrick's Patrick? um, cowering here. You know, you had a moment, little moment where Omos pulled the mic from him and like, Kevin had to basically act scared. No, I don't think he did it too over the top. You know, it was just, just the right amount, and I thought it was effective. I like Kevin Patrick. I, I think he's really mm-hmm. good in, in the role. And the eight-man tag main event, this was um the last. Well, they came out around 1030. We got 10 minutes of entrances and then a 20-minute match with, like, two commercial breaks. So Randy Orton, Riddle, Cody Rhodes, and Ezekiel against the Usos, Kevin Owens, and Seth Rollins. Uh, Jay got the advantage on Cody early on. The Usos were double-teaming him. And then Ezekiel gets the tag and this guy. So he's got like the white boots on. He's got tassels around his biceps. And with the short brown hair, if this guy got face paint, dude, he's like the dingo warrior out of like 1986. I have to think that's the inspiration. The way he was like shaking his arms and yelling. I think they're really going for for like a warrior vibe with this guy. And maybe Mm -hmm. maybe there's going to go full like parody gimmick at some point with him. Because I, I don't know where else you go with this with this guy. Like, it's just, it's a one-note joke. 
Yeah, maybe it's because I've been away for two weeks, but like it's still somewhat fresh to me. I get a kick out of it, especially when he's doing his warrior like comebacks and he's screaming <laughs> in the midst of like, you know, going nuts. He's screaming, who wants to hear Zeke speak? <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous that I just I, I get a kick out of it. What should Way say? <laughs> That's good. Rollins is an inverted superplex to Riddle, so they had the heat on Riddle after the break and just destroyed him. The crowd is chanting for Randy, and they try to keep him away, but then Jay hits an insiguri, and Riddle falls into Randy in the corner. This was this was not smart by Jay Uso. So Orton comes in. He just goes through his hot tag sequence. Uh, Jay avoids a draping DDT, so he's dropped on the desk. Rollins is dropped on the desk. Owens gets poked in the eye by Randy, and he's dropped on the desk. And then he completes his draping DDT on Jay, sets up for the RKO, but Rollins attacks. Cody's in with the disaster kick, and we have everyone in. RKO to Rollins. Owens super kicks Cody, and then Orton avoids the stunner. Ezekiel hits a forearm. That's his big move. He's on special, and he hits a forearm. And then sends Owens into an RKO. Riddle hits the flying knee and then pops Jimmy up, who comes down into an RKO, and it ends with Jay diving off the top into an RKO, and Randy pins him to end the show with Randy getting a win on his 20th anniversary. Mm -hmm. As the announcer said, we were celebrating his past, but there's still plenty left in the tank of Randy Orton. (laughs) Yes, there is, yeah. You know, the opening segment was just kind of really there to set this up. Um, but I thought the main event absolutely delivered, you know, like speaking about maybe the celebratory feel of the opening segment not really being there. I thought it really was for the end here because, uh, you know, as always with the RK Bro types of matches, they did a great job of setting up the hot tag. And this was like the hot tag of all hot tags for Randy Orton here, just delivering all of his signature spots to everybody, multiple RKOs, everybody taking one. Um, I thought I thought it was a really fun main event. Do you realize that between that opening promo and the entrances and match, that was 50 minutes of the show? Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, there are a lot of entrances, okay? Um, You know, it's a 20-year celebration. If this was Rampage, they could have done the whole show with this match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if this was Rampage, I don't think you would get the entrances. Um, I don't think you would get the video packages. Like, I don't think you would get a lot of things. Uh, no, and we didn't get uh, Jimmy Smith screaming at us uh, what, what's coming up on Friday and what's coming up on Monday. Uh, we don't know anything for next Monday, in fact. So we just go off the air, and next week is the, uh, the go-home show before WrestleMania Backlash. Can you believe we're almost here? You know, it's a bit of a shorter road, this one. So that was Raw. Um I would say it, it picked up for me. I would say the um, and the, the last. What are your highlights? What are your highlights from the show? Oh boy, um, highlights of the show or lowlights. Eight, eight man. I, I did enjoy the eight man. Like it was, it was a fun eight man tag. It wasn't you know I won't go stellar, but I, I enjoyed it for 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 the time they had. Um, Bianca and so uh, Bianca and Sonya. I really didn't enjoy the match layout, but I did like the idea of your hometown star getting a decisive win and getting that that hometown pop. So, you know, with, with Bianca, like the, the reaction was fine. I think the, the setup was a little, um, it was, it was a lot. We had a number of returns on the show. We had Oscar returning. We had Ali returning. Um, yeah, both, both of those came off. Well, I think they were, see the tone of that is exactly how I feel. 
yeah, but yeah, yeah, it was good. Like that type of thing. It's not like, oh my god, you gotta check this out. Ali came back. Asuka came back. Well, we, we're like, either be honest. Were was there any scenario where that would have been the reaction for either of those two come coming back? Yeah, it's true. Probably not. Probably not. I think um, you got it, as much as was realistically pa- possible. Ali had a nice promo, decent match, and he got an angle coming out of it with Champa. So that's more than I could have expected for Ali um, to at least have something coming out of this show. I guess I just, I mean, I do think there is the potential, like when somebody is is gone for as long as Asuka has been, and she's not exactly somebody who, uh, who's on the bottom of the card. Like coming back in with a bit more of a bang than simply interrupting Becky Lynch in the middle of the promo to say, I'm going to challenge you like that. That's that's just to me, not that not that exciting, not that interesting, you know, and and even this Ali Ali one. Yeah, I mean, sure. Maybe the Ali thing was my highlight. So three hours, you'd recommend it. Not the whole three hours. No, no. Okay, so this is a YouTube watch. Go through the yeah. clips on Tuesday and, and find out what you liked. Uh, I will ma- mention, I watched a bit of Elevation tonight because uh, Minoru Suzuki was taking on QT Marshall. It was a pretty bare bones match. It was like a Suzuki kind of greatest hits quick uh, TV match. Uh, but then they had a, a Konosuke uh, Takeshita taking on Brandon Cutler. Mm-hmm. Brandon Cutler is so much fun to watch. I loved watching this guy. And they were putting this over like Paul White and Mark Henry are like, this is the best match that Brandon Cutler has ever been in. And Takeshita, honestly, like he gave a lot to Cutler. Like this was not just destroy this comedy guy. Like they did near falls in it. And it was still Cutler being a goof, but not in a way where it, it, at any way to me hurt Takeshita. Like he still hit all his big stuff. One with a brain buster. It was like a fine, uh, you know, fun, fun match for what it was. But I, I think Brandon Cutler is I, I love him in that role. I think he's really entertaining um, wh- whenever I do watch any of his his matches. I wouldn't want to see him weekly wrestling, but every now and then, like he's a very fun comedy character. And I wouldn't have looked down the list of AEW talent of, OK, Takeshita is doing uh, elevation and let's pick Brandon Cutler. He would not be at the top of my list, nor the middle of my list. But it worked. But he offers you something different that you wouldn't be able to see on a dynamite or rampage against yes. you know somebody who's more well built. So yes. he, he's found a great role for himself. I hope you know if the Bucks turn babyface that somehow we retain this version of Brandon Cutler. And the man still has to produce BTE every single week. He's a busy so, man. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, we have one piece of feedback here from Kate from Montreal who says. In many ways, this show felt more like the Raw after WrestleMania than the actual Raw that followed WrestleMania. You had the returns of Asuka and Mustafa Ali. Note, it is still insane that a person can be prevented from leaving their job when they want to. You had the proper debut of Ciampa. While they aren't all quality, there are new stories being set up. The one huge miss for me was the women's championship match. It feels like we're never getting a proper return to the ring for Sonya Deville, which is too bad. And as engaging as Bianca is, Becky and Asuka instantly feels like the hotter feud. Now that the titles are unified and it looks like we're probably heading to the end of the RK Bro line, it seems like Randy has to be high up on the list of potential opponents for Roman, no? No one gets that big a pop week in, week out, and it's been a surprisingly long time since they faced each other. Yeah, I mean, we talk about Roman in need of opponents, and Randy is obviously one of those that you could you could go to, and I we'll kind of see how it comes off on on SmackDown on Friday, but there was certainly the tease uh, from like just seeing the shots in the building of going towards Roman and Drew, and it's worth noting that after Backlash is Hell in a Cell. So 
you could very well see something where like this is a pay-per-view where it sounds like it just seems like it's tailor-made to have at least one kind of screwy finish that you come back with Hell in a Cell for, and maybe uh, Reigns and Drew is that program. I could also see Charlotte and Ronda getting a third match at Hell in a Cell if you know Ronda wins the I Quit match and they do the rubber match at Hell in a Cell. But uh, going back to the question, Randy would be in there. You could always go to Seth. But again, it's um, it's kind of just these makeshift programs for Roman Reigns that I think you really have to have a compelling story attached to them rather than just a guy going for the title and thinking that's going to be enough to satisfy people creatively. Yeah, are we at the point now where like he's going to pick guys from Raw to face? Well, he's the unified champion, so it should be open yeah, to Yeah, that's both true. Sides. You're right. I forgot about that. Mm, Even okay. though he's he's not regularly appearing on Raw, but I mean his he doesn't have a program on Raw at the moment. So hmm. you, you do have that that benefit that you can go to um with, with Randy at some point. So there you go. That is tonight's edition of Rewind to Raw. We are going to be back on Tuesday, live at 1 Eastern with the post-daily news show. And then Ask Away, the mailbag show, returns Tuesday evening. You can still get your questions in at forum.postwrestling.com. We will go through all of your questions uh, for this month and available for Post Wrestling Cafe members. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's always a fun show that I enjoyed. You, We typically answer all the questions, so... Yeah, it's open all for uh, for all patrons at postwrestlingcafe.com or forum.postwrestling.com. And just a few scheduling notes for Thursday. Uh, up next, we'll be releasing the show this Thursday instead of Tuesday night with uh, Braden and Davey. Uh, we'll also have Bushby and Thompson's wrestling adventure as they're chatting the Cruiserweight Classic from 2016. How does it feel that the Cruiserweight Classic is now like a subject of a retro review? Uh, it makes me feel pretty old, I have to say. I remember reviewing that with uh, Braden not not that long ago. How many years ago was it? Six. Almost six. six. Mm. Well, it's a very enjoyable tournament, and it also means like guys like you know Cedric and, and Tozawa have been there for six years. Wow. It's a long yes. time. Yes. Time flies. Yeah. That could have been the, the tagline for the show. Um, and then... Saturday, we are going to have Rewind to SmackDown. It will not be this Friday. Uh, we're going to be putting the show out for patrons on Saturday uh, this week. So um, that is the only scheduling note. Also, Moon Knight. MCU Later returns this Thursday evening with me, WH Park, and very special guest, our man, Neil Flanagan. Oh, get out. Helping us break down episode five of Moon Knight. Only two episodes left, so if you're caught up, uh, go check the shows out. I really enjoyed last week's episode with me, WH, and uh, Karen Peterson. And so listen to our post shows and get caught up and join the conversation. All right. You can go check all of that out. Uh, you can check out postwrestlingcafe.com, postwrestling.com, and subscribe to the channel. Give it a thumbs up, and that will wrap up Rewind to Raw. Good night.